When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. I have cherished the idea of a democratic and free society in which all persons will live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. But my Lord, if it needs be, it is an idea for which I am prepared to die. You just heard anti-apartheid revolutionary Nelson Mandela address the court at the opening of his trial for sabotage in April of 1964. He said what many other justice seekers have, that he was not afraid to die in pursuit of freedom. Many people before him died for their activism, and many people since then have been murdered for speaking up. We mourn their deaths, and we wonder what they could have done had they not been killed. But thank goodness they lived. I'm Eves Jeffcoat, and this is Unpopular, a podcast about the people in history who didn't let the threat of persecution keep them from speaking truth to power. What do we do when we are ruled by governments that perpetrate violence and mete out harsh punishments indiscriminately? What do we do when we realize we have the power to change systemic injustices? Well, not everyone is compelled to fight on the front lines. Standing up to big anything can be intimidating and scary, and being one of nearly 8 billion people in the world can make us feel small and far from powerful. Risk aversion helps keep us alive. The vanguard isn't for everybody. But other times, we feel the need to ignore that primal drive for survival. We're bungee jumping off the side of a bridge hundreds of feet in the air, with only our bungee cord and strong conviction that it's not our time to go, there to save us. In the 1958 book, Stride Toward Freedom, the Montgomery story by Martin Luther King Jr., King said this, Human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. 
Even a superficial look at history reveals that no social advance rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle. The tireless exertions and passionate concern of dedicated individuals. Without persistent effort, time itself becomes an ally of the insurgent and primitive forces of irrational emotionalism and social destruction. This is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. When I think about this quote, I get caught on this idea of a world that's crumbling because we are not constantly working. To be honest, there's something about this sentiment that's depressing and makes me feel jaded. The world gave us sandy beaches, tropical rainforests teeming with colorful life, and prestige television just for us to have to sacrifice many, many hours of leisure to keep us from destroying ourselves. I mean, it doesn't sound like the most well-designed experiment, but that is the reality of our time on Earth. It's not the most pleasant thing to imagine being one step away from annihilation and having to put in an ungodly amount of work just to make sure we don't reach that precipice. It toes the line of absurdity, kind of like scrambling to continuously fill a bucket with a hole in it. But here we are, playing defense against the forces that threaten to tear us apart. It's tiring, but it's necessary. Stephen Bantu Biko was one of the people who realized how inhumane and devastating apartheid was to Black people and took vigorous and positive action, as Dr. King put it. Apartheid was an institutional problem that was pervasive in all segments of South African society. But Biko was committed to the liberation of Black folks from that oppressive system of racial segregation and from self-limitations. He didn't get to see the end of apartheid, but he did see his mission through to his end. Biko was born in Tarkestad in the eastern province of South Africa, now called Eastern Cape, on December 18, 1946. His family was Xhosa, the second largest cultural group in South Africa. His mother, Nokuzola Makete Duna, worked as a domestic worker and as a cook at Gray's Hospital. Zungai Biko, his father, worked as a policeman, then clerk in the King Williamstown Native Affairs Office. Zungai died in 1950, before he could get his law degree from the University of South Africa, when Stephen was four years old. Stephen was his parents' third child. His older brother, Kaya, was involved in the Pan-Africanist Congress, an organization and later political party concerned with Africanist policies for Black South Africans. Steve excelled as a student, but after Kaya was arrested and jailed under suspicion of his involvement with the armed wing of the Pan-Africanist Congress, Steve was interrogated by police for his connection to Kaya and subsequently expelled from his school. And at this point, Steve's political interest was roused. Kaya said the following about his younger brother. Steve was expelled for absolutely no reason at all. But in retrospect, I welcome the South African government's gesture of exposing a really good politician. I had unsuccessfully tried to get Steve interested in politics. The police were able to do in one day what had eluded me for years. 
This time, the great giant was awakened. I know you're dying to find out what the giant did when he got woke, but we can't dive into Steve's activism without touching on what apartheid was and how it started. When we come back from the break, we'll talk a little about the system of separateness that emerged in South Africa. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. The best things in life, they come in twos. Two scoops of ice cream, two tacos. And now for a limited time, get our best deal of the year. Buy any phone when you switch to Consumer Cellular and get two months of service free. That's right, the same fast, reliable nationwide coverage as Big Wireless, now with two months free. Proof the best things in life really do come in twos. Visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM. Second and third month of monthly base service fee waived for new customers with the purchase of a phone and activation by July 31st, 2024. Taxes, fees, and third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Here's a crash course on the beginnings of apartheid so you can get a feel for the world Biko was born into. In 1910, the former British colonies of the Cape, Natal, Transvaal, and Orange River were united to become provinces in the Union of South Africa, and the Union became an independent dominion of the British Empire. Just three years later, territorial apartheid began in South Africa when the Land Act was passed. The Act reserved most South African land for white people and designated very little land for Africans. To be specific, more than 80% of the land was designated for white people, who made up less than 20% of the population. Africans made up about 67% of the population, but only about 7% of arable land was allocated to them as so-called reserves. That percentage, though, was later increased to 13. White folks were not allowed to buy land from Black folks, and Black folks were not allowed to buy land from white people. Sharecropping on farms was forbidden, though that wasn't always the case in practice. While Black people were being evicted off of white farmers' land, white farmers were getting low-interest loans from the government that allowed them to increase the efficiency of their farms. 
Land dispossession and segregation were already part of South African history before the Land Act was passed. The problem of how to deal with indigenous peoples in South Africa became known as the Native Question. The Dutch and British seized and occupied land as they pursued expansion, depriving indigenous African communities of their land. So-called Native Reserves were established as early as 1848 in Natal. In the Glen Grey Act of 1894, which applied to a district in the Cape Colony, disenfranchised Africans and limited the number of Africans who could live on and own their own land. So even though the 1913 Land Act was the first big piece of segregation legislation passed by the Union Parliament, it was the culmination of years of policies that enforced the perceived superiority of whiteness and inferiority of blackness. And from there, political discrimination based on race and the enforcement of boss cap or white supremacy for the benefit of the minority white state grew more aggressive. Former Boer General James Herzog founded the Afrikaner Nationalist Party in 1914 in opposition to the moderate policies of Prime Minister Louis Botha and Interior Mines and Defense Minister Jan Christian Smuts. Herzog and the National Party supported South Africa's interests over Britain's and advocated for two parallel but separate cultural streams for the English and Afrikaner communities. Afrikaners are a South African ethnic group who descended from Dutch, German, and French immigrants who migrated to South Africa in the 17th century. By 1924, the National Party had risen to power with the help of the Labor Party, both of which wanted to protect white labor. And by 1948, Daniel Milan had become the first nationalist prime minister, and the National Party introduced apartheid, which would write white domination into law. Whites, blacks, Indians, and coloreds, as mixed people were called, composed South Africa— The government proceeded to institute laws that introduced identity cards, determined where people lived according to race, forbade interracial marriage and sex, disenfranchised colored voters, allowed for the racial segregation of public areas, and separated ethnic groups among Bantustans, or what the government called homelands. Steve got into the Durban Medical School at the University of Natal non-European section in 1966. His first year there, he was elected to the Students' Representative Council, which was a member of the National Union of South African Students, or NUSAS. The NUSAS was mostly white, as were most students in South African universities then. When Steve went to an NUSAS conference in 1967 at Rhodes University, the black students were fed and housed separately, per the Separate Amenities Act passed by Parliament in 1953. Protesting the NUSAS's knowledge of the arrangements, he proposed that the conference be suspended. But that motion was dismissed. He and other Black students in the organization grew incensed with the dominance of the white majority in the organization and how their concerns weren't being acknowledged. To him and other Black South Africans in the organization, white liberals weren't totally genuine about considering Black folks equals, and they were implicit in upholding the status quo of white people's racial superiority. 
Steve began traveling throughout South Africa advocating for a student organization for Black people only. Soon, students agreed to join Steve in the creation of the South African Students' Organization, or SASO, which would truly address Black people's needs and completely reject white dominance. In 1968, Biko split from the National Union of South African Students to form the SASO. In July of the next year, he was elected president of the organization. Here's some of what he said in his presidential address to the first National Formation School of SASO in December of 1969, after laying out the aims of the organization. The fact that the whole ideology centers around non-white students as a group might make a few people to believe that the organization is racially inclined. Yet what SASO has done is simply to take stock of the present scene in the country and to realize that not unless the non-white students decide to lift themselves from the doldrums will they ever hope to get out of them. What we want is not black visibility, but real black participation. In other words, it does not help us to see several quiet black faces in a multiracial student gathering, which ultimately concentrates on what the white students believe are the needs for the black students. Because of our sheer bargaining power as an organization, we can manage, in fact, to bring about a more meaningful contact between the various color groups in the student world. The creation of the SASO was linked with the Black Consciousness Movement. The National Party government had suppressed the Pan-Africanist Congress and African National Congress, a Black nationalist organization that fought for the rights of coloreds and Black Africans and opposed apartheid. The organizations continued to operate underground and outside of South Africa, but new organizations popped up to make up for how many liberation leaders had been banned, imprisoned, or exiled. Nelson Mandela, for instance, was arrested in 1962 and sentenced to life imprisonment in 1964. The state even kidnapped or killed some activists. So groups that organized around the ideology of the Black consciousness movement rejected apartheid, believed in Black solidarity as a means to achieve liberation, rejected the notion that white people were superior, and embraced the value and power of Black people. Politically, the word Black was an inclusive term that constituted Indians, coloreds, and Africans, though that usage did not initially catch on in the mainstream. Black consciousness required a shift in mindset where the term Black was a positive, unifying identification for people of color that would encourage pride. And as the movement encouraged Black leadership and self-reliance, the phrase, Black man, you are on your own, became its slogan. That was radical. While many people who were against apartheid were inspired by the movement, others saw it and the SASO as anti-white. Regardless, the SASO launched literacy, health, agricultural, and other community programs to better society, but also to stimulate notions of self-empowerment. Biko became the publications officer and started a series called I Write What I Like under the pseudonym Frank Talk. But soon, the SASO wanted to expand its reach by including non-student adults, and in 1972, the Black People's Convention was launched with the help of Biko. 
The convention brought together about 70 Black consciousness groups, like the South African Students Movement, the National Association of Youth Organizations, and the Black Workers Project. Biko became the first president of the convention, and that same year, he was expelled from medical school for his activism. Biko also helped found the Black community programs, the purpose of which Biko described the following way. The Black man is a defeated being who finds it very difficult to lift himself up by his bootstrings. He is alienated, alienated from himself, from his friends, and from society in general. He is made to live all the time concerned with matters of existence, concerned with tomorrow, you know, what shall I eat tomorrow? Now, we felt that we must attempt to defeat and break this kind of attitude and to instill once more a sense of human dignity within the black man. Now, I should note here the reference to the black man solely. The attitudes of men in the black consciousness movement were the same as the attitudes of men in general. Women were typically excluded in Biko's discourse around black consciousness. Women were certainly a part of the movement, but they were largely acknowledged as support. Think of the emphasis on black manhood and the sexism happening in the Black Panther Party around the same time in the States. But the 70s is when the SASO really gained ground. It called for Bantu stand leaders to stop enabling oppression, rejected apartheid's Bantu education system, and really pushed pride in Black identity. As the SASO became more radical and the government realized how much power it was gaining, Biko and the organization's other leaders became targets of state surveillance and silencing. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, Biko's vocal opposition of apartheid, support for Black self-determination, and his leadership puts him in the sights of the apartheid government. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. 
Overwhelmed by mess in your pickup bed? Upgrade with the decked drawer system. It's completely redesigned. Accommodate more gear in larger drawers. Extend effortlessly and keep your equipment clean and dry. Secure your loads with integrated D-ring tie-downs. Optimize your truck bed space. Proudly made in the USA. Lockable and compatible with any truck from the past 20 plus years. Simple online ordering and easy installation. Visit decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Get decked. Truck bed storage, toolboxes, and accessories. Biko and the Black Consciousness Movement's ideas around psychological liberation and Black dignity are still relevant. Internalized racism and inferiority complexes affect self-image and mental health to this day. Overcoming deeply ingrained thought processes is difficult and requires a lot of unlearning. But thinking differently is a key step toward acting differently. And society has shown that manipulation of thought and mandating ignorance are effective methods of oppression, and that knowledge and insight help pave the path toward emancipation. Black education, pride, and self-love have become important tenets in Black folks' journey of healing and reclamation. Yet saying things like Black Lives Matter, advocating for Black pride, and acknowledging the lingering effects of a discriminatory history are still controversial. We could argue and theorize all day about which activists and thought leaders were brought down through state-sanctioned suppression and violence for their radical ideology. But the fact remains that people of color around the world have been systemically disadvantaged to the benefit of white people. And when that order has been disrupted, it's often been met with brutal penalties. Instead of conceding power, privilege, and reputation for the advancement of society, those at the top would often rather suppress opposition and deny progress to maintain the status quo. But what good does it do humanity to thoughtlessly or selfishly uphold harmful mindsets and systems? Silencing people for intelligent dissent or difference is antithetical to the history of human progress. Where would we be without agitators and innovators? In March of 1973, the state banned Steve and confined him to the magisterial district of King Williamstown. Per his banning order, he went to his mother's house in Leetonville, and he stayed there for a while. Though he could no longer work with the Black community programs in Durban, he set up a branch of the BCP in King Williamstown. He established a health clinic, helped with publications, and ran the BCP office and resource center. The state continued to surveil, arrest, and detain Biko, but he was never convicted, and he kept advising on political issues and working to unite Black organizations. Meanwhile, the government was inflicting cruel retribution upon other Black consciousness and anti-apartheid activists as well. Activist Mosibudi Mangena was sentenced to five years in prison for allegedly recruiting two police officers to join the armed struggle. An activist Onko Potse Abram Tiro was killed by a parcel bomb in early 1974 after he went into exile in Botswana. In June 1976, Students in Soweto protested Bantu education and the compulsory classroom use of Afrikaans, the language of the oppressor. 
The protest, which spread around the country and became known as the Soweto Uprising, resulted in the murder of hundreds of students when police opened fire. The world was watching and many nations denounced the apartheid regime. Even so, the state stayed steady in its arresting and murdering of Black consciousness leaders. A couple of months after the uprising, Steve was arrested and put in solitary confinement for 101 days. On August 18, 1977, Biko and his friend and activist Peter Jones were stopped at a roadblock in the Eastern Cape province. They were taken to police stations in Port Elizabeth, where they were tortured by security police. Biko was stripped and manacled for 20 days, then transferred to the Sanlam building in Port Elizabeth. While detained, Steve was beaten severely, and by September 7th, he had gotten a brain hemorrhage. But the police still kept him naked and chained in his cell. By the time he was finally taken to get medical care, Bika was in poor condition. He died on the night of September 12th. White journalist and friend of Steve's, Donald Woods, said the following in an article he wrote after Steve's death. How I wish I could publish for all white South Africans his thoughts about their fears, prejudices, and timidities, and what he saw as the clear answers to these. But the government, through its banning orders, silenced all his public statements, and even in death, he may not lawfully be quoted. He was imprisoned without trial more than once, experiencing solitary confinement several times. He always came out of such ordeals as tough as ever and as humorous about the interrogation session. And Woods went on to say, Since the death of Steve Biko was announced, I have received gloating messages from white racists who rejoice in his death and believe it will aid their cause. They don't realize to what extent his moderation was preserving the brittle peace in this country. Initially, the government said Biko died of a hunger strike, but a post-mortem exam showed that he had died from brain injuries. About 20,000 people attended Biko's funeral in King Williamstown that November. Years later, a post-apartheid hearing by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission affirmed the abuse that led to his death and doctors' compliance in the death. Not long after Steve's death, the state banned 18 organizations and many anti-apartheid activists. By the early 1980s, the Black consciousness movement had fizzled out, and apartheid didn't end until 1994, when South Africa got a new constitution and a Black-majority government led by Nelson Mandela was installed. Steve was not the only person who advanced the Black consciousness cause in South Africa, and he definitely was not the only one who vehemently and forcefully opposed apartheid. After his death, Biko was respected as a martyr for actively rejecting the barbaric apartheid regime and making Black lives better through political and community work. He was instrumental in an ecosystem of doers who knew that apartheid was wrong and were willing to put in the work to abolish it. Plenty of people did not see eye to eye with Biko, even people who were in the fight against apartheid with him. Some anti-apartheid activists were corrupt and acted out of self-interest. 
Some did not believe in lumping Asians and coloreds in South Africa under the label black. Many people in South Africa and beyond did not even think blackness was worthy of celebrating or uplifting. But when the stakes are so high for people like Biko, backing down or giving up is not an option. Not everyone feels responsible for or capable of solving huge problems like apartheid. We should recognize the amount of sacrifice it takes to be a radical with constructive concerns. I would venture to say that most people who do don't want to be hated or die. They just know it's a probable outcome of challenging power structures and thought patterns backed by strong emotions. Biko did not fear death. It is better to die for an idea that will live than to live for an idea that will die, he said. He was not willing to go into exile and leave the movement and people behind. Decolonizing minds and helping people find true humanity was the mission. Echoing Frederick Douglass, Biko wrote, We must accept that the limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. We have to work for our own liberation and evolution, no matter the cost. If you are doing that work of resistance, you will make enemies who try to silence you. But what stories like Biko's tell us is that we must remain open to ideas and modes of thought that we believe are wrong, far-fetched or impossible. When the goal is worthy, we must suspend some disbelief, challenge our own convictions, and demand justice. Andrew Howard is our producer. Holly Fry and Christopher Hasiotis are our executive producers. If you're not already subscribed, you can make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another episode of Unpopular. sleep should come naturally and with the new natural hybrid mattress it can a collaboration between lisa and west elm the natural hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex natural wool and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow plus every purchase helps fuel lisa's work with shelters and those in need don't put off a good night's sleep any longer get a lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight visit lisa.com slash iheart that's l-e-e-s-a.com slash iHeart. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. Overwhelmed by mess in your pickup bed? Upgrade with the decked drawer system. It's completely redesigned. Accommodate more gear in larger drawers. Extend effortlessly and keep your equipment clean and dry. Secure your loads with integrated D-ring tie-downs. Optimize your truck bed space. Proudly made in the USA. Lockable and compatible with any truck from the past 20 plus years. Simple online ordering and easy installation. Visit decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Get decked. Truck bed storage, toolboxes, and accessories.